Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us by your Holy Spirit this morning to meditate upon your word and to love it as we should. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we begin a new series in the book of Matthew's Gospel. We're going to leave uh, Saul and David, uh, and so we'll pick up 2 Samuel um, probably next year sometime and continue working our way through that narrative. Uh, But I'd like to jump from... uh, different types of literature within the Bible, and I usually do a gospel, then we'll do a prophet in the Old Testament, then we'll do an epistle, and then we'll do a narrative, and then we come back to, uh, to uh, a gospel again. And so last time we were doing a gospel, it was the gospel of John, and we finished that, and, uh, and so I thought we'd come to Matthew's gospel. Now, why am I not starting in Matthew chapter 1? Well, Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2 uh, concern the birth of the Lord Jesus primarily, and I've milked Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2 over the years at uh, Christmas services, and so I think I'll leave those uh, for now, and we'll just pick up with the beginning of the Lord's ministry, which begins with John the Baptist. And so we'll do chapter 3 and chapter 4, we'll see how long that takes us, and then if we still have uh, only been in it a short time. I'm going to skip chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, which is the Sermon on the Mount, and continue on in chapter 8. And the reason being for that is that when I first arrived here at Dremoyne Baptist Church, I did preach through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. So if you're interested in what I have to say about those chapters, hopefully I still endorse the kinds of things that I said many years ago, um, then you can listen on the internet to those recordings. So we're going to pick up at Matthew chapter 3 this morning, and we have this uh, wonderful entry of the Lord Jesus' ministry, but firstly through this man, John the Baptist. Uh, Before we hear about the Lord Jesus' adulthood in Matthew's Gospel, uh, we hear about John the Baptist. Now, who is John the Baptist? Well, He was uh, a man who came before the Lord Jesus, preaching, we see, in the desert of Judea. Look with me at Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. It says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea. What does it mean to be a preacher? Well, it means to be someone who proclaims, someone who announces. That's what the word means. A herald is someone who is a preacher. And what was John preaching? Well, we see that he is preaching repentance. We see that he's preaching it in the desert of Judea, Uh, he's preaching it in the wilderness, and he is preaching repentance. What is repentance? Well, repentance is a compound word in Greek, which means sort of after, uh, sort of the word for after and the word mind put together. And so it's a change of mind is a usual translation of it, that we think of it where you've changed your mind, but it has that idea of after the fact. So something has happened... And then you think after what has happened, you then change your mind. So there's some sort of regret and remorse at, at, the, at the action that has occurred. And now you're thinking in a different direction because of what you've seen happen. So there's this complete change of direction within your mind. And that is what repentance is. I often like to refer to it as the U-turn word for children, where you're going one way and then you have a repentance, which means you change your mind, you no longer like that way, you've seen what that way results in, and you go in the opposite direction. You make a straight path in the opposite direction. And you see that's the the kind of idea that is given by the prophet Isaiah, which is picked up here in Matthew's Gospel, about the the, the prophet John the Baptist. We see verse 3, it says, This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Again, we see that this person is someone who calls in the wilderness, calls in the desert, 
and he is making straight paths. He is no longer on a crooked way. Instead, he is making a straight path uh, and a, a, a way that is prepared for the Lord. Why should one repent? Why should someone repent, though? Well, the prophet John says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. There's a kingdom And this kingdom is near. What does that mean if it is near? Well, one thing it means is that it's possible to enter it now. If it is nearby, it is possible for you to repent, for change your mind, to turn and enter into that kingdom. If it is far away, well, then it's not possible necessarily to be able to change direction and arrive there in time. And what is this kingdom? This kingdom of heaven? Well, it's the kingdom of God. It's another way that it can be expressed. Matthew tends to like the the term kingdom of heaven rather than kingdom of God. And maybe as a Jew, he was being sensitive to Jews who would not like to use God's name. And so he calls it kingdom of heaven. And what does it then mean if it is the kingdom of God? Well, it means to be under God's rule. It means to have God as king, to have the Lord as king, and to have all his blessings as one who is a citizen of his kingdom. And of course, we know that the king, God's king, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that in the way that verse 3 quotes from Isaiah, and it says, A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. And then who is the one that John the Baptist points to? Well, we'll see that it is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is Jesus Christ. He is the King. And what are the blessings that come of being a part of Christ's kingdom? Well, it's the joy and peace that we have in God, now and forever in heaven. Wonderful, the kingdom is called the kingdom of heaven because we're looking forward to that time where we'll find joy and blessing under the king himself in the heavenly place. But we also experience the blessing of being part of his kingdom now. To have gotten Christ as king now means that he continues to pour out his blessings upon us even in this world. We have every spiritual blessing in him. And so John the Baptist here in Matthew chapter 3 is a really great metaphor for us as humans today. How so? Well, humans are wandering in the desert as well. Where was John ministering? Well, he was ministering in the southern part of of Israel, in the desert of Judea. And that is what humans are in today. We're like humans. All humans are like people who are wandering in the desert, like the Israelites did so many years ago. They spent 40 years in the desert, wandering round and round in circles. All humans, in one sense, are like those Israelites, wandering round and round in the desert. Are they? Are we really in a desert? Is this world like a desert? Yes, it is a dangerous place. What do we associate with a desert? Well, you associate with the fact of a lack of food and water. Do we lack food and water as we go about life? Well, yes. So much of our lives are spent looking forward to the next meal and looking forward to the next drink. You may even be thinking about lunch now, or at least thinking about a coffee. We are continuously thinking about food and water. If we didn't live in a desert, we wouldn't have to think about such things, would we? We'd have an abundance around us and we'd feel sated all the time. But instead, we are constantly thinking about food and water, even in a place as prosperous as ours. And are there dangerous animals? We associate a desert with dangerous animals. Are there dangerous animals even within our nation? Yes, there's crocodiles, there's snakes... Even built up areas like ours, there's magpies that will get you without you even knowing. You're walking along and suddenly there's this loud squawk next to your ear and a clip on your ear. There's spiders, even such annoying things as mosquitoes. They can come and they attack other people more so than me. Um, And then they complain to me. 
I like one of our family members being around because it means the mosquitoes all go to her and not to me. Uh, it tends to be the case. But th there are animals around us to attack us all the time, just like being in the desert. Is the weather oppressive for all of humans? Yes. The sun is exhausting. You get burnt all too easily and then get skin cancer from it. Bushfires are still a perpetual problem for, all, uh, for many people in many nations. Droughts come, hurricanes come, floods come. It's like being in the desert where the weather is oppressive. And what else do we associate with being in the desert? Well, you associate bandits. People who will pray from you, pray on you. Uh, they're just over the next sand dune, watch, sand dune watching you and they will take advantage of you. Do we feel that the place that we live in is a dangerous place? Well, yes. We lock our homes, we lock our cars, and we pay taxes so that there's a whole judicial system of police and judges and lawyers so that people are not able to take from us. And is there depression? So we associate with being in the desert. If you're wandering in the desert, it's a very down place to be. All humans show that they're wandering in a desert in some ways because they, they find that life is not fulfilling, that there are down days and there can be extended periods of depression. But are humans wandering in the desert? Are we wandering round and round in the desert? Yes, you see humans, they move from place to place looking for peace and joy. That's what you do in the desert. You're always looking over the next sand dune, that over that sand dune I will find peace, I'll find joy, I'll find safety, I'll find refuge. And you see people doing this all through life. What do they look for security and joy in as they wander through the desert of this life, the wilderness? They look for it in other people. You think that this workplace will be the place that gives me joy. This career will be the one that gives me satisfaction. This spouse will be the one that gives me joy. This child, this friend will be the one that gives me satisfaction in life and gives me joy. Or maybe it will be this school that will be the place of safety. Or this neighbourhood, if I just move suburbs and have different neighbours, then I will no longer be in a desert. Or if I change countries, or if we can just change the politicians, if I look to these people and they can make changes, then we'll have a, a peace and a safety in this land. Or if I look to this doctor, he will be able to satisfy all my medical needs and be able to take care of me so that I am safe. And then, of course, we look to the whole entertainment culture, all these different people out there to try and keep us satisfied in this world, to give us joy, whether it be different celebrities who uh, act and direct and write movie scripts and TV shows, to musicians who can give us joy as we listen to their music, or people who make video games so that we can be entertained by those, or different authors. We like one author, and so we start working away all through their books, thinking this will be the... This will be the way that I find joy and satisfaction. And so people wander from one person to the next, looking for joy and security in the desert. And where else do people look for joy and security? Well, it's in possessions. They look for it in people, they look for it in possessions. That this house will make me happy. That this car will give me security and satisfaction. That these clothes, these pets... This particular pet, this one will be a good pet and will give me great joy. Or these collectibles, these things that I like collecting, if I just have that one, then I will be satisfied in this world and I'll feel like I'm not in a desert. But what is the result of looking for security, for looking for joy and satisfaction in people and possessions? 
while the joy and security that we may find in them is always all too quickly gone. The satisfaction is fleeting. Food and water continue to be needed, and what tasted good before becomes bland in our mouths. Dangerous animals are still a problem. Little viruses can get down your airways. You may be able to kill every, every snake in the near vicinity, every spider that's around. But before you know it, a little virus is down your airway and causing you all kinds of trouble. The sun continues to beat down upon our house and the air conditioner can fail and the waters can rise all too quickly. And people still attack us. People still, even with a great judicial system in our nation, maybe even just online, but they may still attack. And of course, people are still depressed. And why is this? Well, trusting in people does not result in joy and security ultimately. Why? Because people change. Workplaces change. Spouses change. You think that this woman is going to give you all the joy and satisfaction in life. And then she changes or he changes. Children change. You may take such delight in them as a baby or a little toddler. They grow up and they spurn you. And celebrities change. Someone that you thought was a really good actor before suddenly starts appearing in movies and really dodgy. Jill and I have experienced this. We say, oh, she would be good, this person's in it. And you go, why did they accept that role? And authors can change. They start to bring out books that are totally different from what they'd previously written. And so people fail us, even at their best. They will fail us. And possessions don't satisfy either. Why? Well, possessions wear out. They get stolen. They get outdated and they lose their appeal. How many of us have been in a situation where we think, if I just have that, I will be happy. Then we get it and it's only a few years before we realise that we don't take satisfaction in it. And maybe even a few months. You thought that car would give you such joy and it did when you first got it. But then within a year, you're kind of looking at other cars. And that particular card or coin or stamp that you really wanted... You add it to your collection, and soon you're looking at another one. And you're not so interested in the one that you have. And of course, what happens to even the happiest in this world? What happens to them in the wilderness, the desert of life? Well, of course, death comes. And no person or possession can save someone from death. And so what are we like in this world? Well, people are like people in a desert who are looking at mirages in the distance. And they continue to seek that mirage, thinking, when I get there, I will be happy. That's what a mirage is. It's something that is not real. It's the, the light in the desert and playing tricks with your minds. And you think that that's a place of safety. That's a place of water. That's a place of food. That's a place of hospitality. People will be there. And that's what we are like in life. We always think that what I can see in the distance that will make me happy. That will give me joy. Whether it be a person, whether it be a possession. And so what do we do? We walk. We walk tireless, tire, with great tiredness towards that mirage, thinking that when I get to there, whatever it may be, it will satisfy. Whether it's a person, whether it's a career, whether it's a possession. But what do we find well, when we get there? It's only a mirage. It 
doesn't give us the joy and satisfaction. There's no water for the thirsty soul. And then what happens? John the Baptist appears. John the Baptist appears in the desert, and what does he say? He says, repent. And what does repent mean? He says, think again. Think again. You've seen the failure of mirage after mirage after mirage. Think again. Admit that you haven't found lasting joy in being king and in the things of this world. And then do what? Well, change your whole mindset. Enter into the kingdom of heaven with Christ as king. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you leave your job or you leave your family or you leave your country or your possessions. But now what you do is you delight in knowing your creator, God himself. And the things of this world are a joy to you, but only as precious gifts from the creator. The created is not the focus of your life anymore. The creator is your focus. And so you can delight in a spouse, you can delight in children, you can delight in a career, you can delight in possessions, but as precious gifts from the creator, because he is your king and you're part of his kingdom. And no matter what happens, you know that he loves you and that he looks after you. And so you delight in him. Now, how do you walk towards the kingdom of heaven? How do you repent and enter into the kingdom of heaven and find joy for your soul and satisfaction? Well, it's through Christ. Christ is the king. He is the Lord who John the Baptist is preparing the way for. And Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's only through Christ. And so if you turn to Christ Jesus... And trust in him. You can enter the kingdom now. That is what John the Baptist was saying so many years ago. And he still says it today as we read the word now. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And why can he still say it today? Well, because the kingdom is near. It's right over here, John is saying. Joy and peace in Christ is available right now. That's what it means that it is near. In this world, we're all so close to God. We're all so close. He sustains us every day. He continues to pour his blessings upon this world. He is near us. But what do people do? They end up going in the opposite direction. They suppress the truth. They move away from God. And they chase a mirage instead of going to the reality, which is God himself. So why repent today? Well, the kingdom of God is near. And it won't always be near. We actually have a unique opportunity. While you're living and breathing in this world, you have a unique opportunity because the kingdom of heaven is near. It won't always be near. If you continue to wander away from God, in this desert of this world, you're wandering after mirage after mirage, going in different directions, what eventually happens? You die in the desert. You die in the desert and are put in hell for your rebellion against God. And is the kingdom of heaven near those in hell? Is the kingdom of heaven near those in hell? No. A great chasm is between heaven and hell. Heaven is not near hell at all. And this is even taught to us in Luke chapter 16. Turn with me to Luke chapter 16, page 1036. Page 1036 of the Church Bibles. Luke chapter 16, and we'll read from verse 19. 
where the Lord Jesus is teaching and he speaks about this rich man and a man, a beggar, called Lazarus. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. The Lord Jesus says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. What do we see in this passage? We see that there's a great chasm between heaven and hell, between those who are comforted and those who are in torment. The kingdom of heaven is not near to those who are in torment. They cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven by repentance there. There's no repentance granted to those in hell. There's no gift given to them. And so do you realise what you're living in? What we're all living in? We're living in a golden age. We're living in a golden age. Why? Because entering the kingdom is possible. It's possible while we live and breathe in this world. Now is the day of salvation. Today is another day of salvation that has been granted to men to repent. And there is proof everywhere around us of the reality of the kingdom, that it's not another mirage. What proof, you say? Well, Jesus said that the law and the prophets are sufficient for people to repent, to come and enter into the kingdom. But we have more than the law and the prophets. We have the apostles. The apostles who teach so clearly about Christ himself. Creation continues to scream at us that God exists. The law and the prophets in the Old Testament continue to scream at us that God exists, that the kingdom is there and we can enter into it by repentance. And then the apostles tell us that Christ himself has come. And we know how we are granted eternal life. It's by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. It has been revealed to us in a way that the Jews in the Old Testament didn't fully understand. And then we have the resurrection of Jesus Christ as well. The Spirit is testifying by the scriptures that are before us that Christ has come, that he has died and he has been raised again, which is the proof that, that the rich man was looking for. If someone rises from the dead, my brothers will repent. Someone has risen from the dead. We have been given such great proof 
that the kingdom is near, that the kingdom is real. So have you repented? Have you repented? Can't you see the great danger of living a life away from God? Living life ruling yourself rather than God. Can't you see that it's a wandering in the desert, moving from one mirage to another until you die tired and thirsty of life? If you're not walking towards Christ, what mirage are you walking to now? If you're not living under Christ's rule, you're following after something at the moment. Is it a career? Are you thinking that the next job will satisfy? Is it a spouse? You think, if I can just get married or get a different one from the one I've currently got, then I will be happy. If I can just get a different friendship circle, then I will be happy. What mirage are you following at the moment? Won't you see it as a mirage right now? Instead of in 20 years, when you get there and you realise you have to start again, you have to look for joy in a different place. Won't you see it now? Children, even now as you're starting out on life, there are so many things that you think will give you joy. Whether it's particular toys, whether it's particular people, whether it's particular school, whether it's particular career, you think that if I have that, then I will be happy. Realise that they will not give you lasting joy in themselves. That it has to be that you look for joy in Christ and his ways. And then he will add those things to you often. But you will delight in them because you are following Christ as your king. Don't waste decades of your life chasing things to only find that they're a mirage. And they don't give you the joy that you thought they would. So what am I like this morning? Well, I'm like a voice atop a sand dune calling. Over this way. Come over this way. Make a straight line for Christ Jesus. Have an afterthought. Think after the fact. Now that you can see so many things in your life that you thought would give you joy, and you may still possess them, but you don't take joy in them any longer. See your sin. See the rebellion against God, which you thought would give you joy, but is not. Stop wandering in circles, going from one thing to the next to another. Trying different paths. The kingdom is over here. Don't get distracted trying other options. Instead, make a straight line for Christ. Repent of your sins. Repent of living your life your way and trusting Christ Jesus. Because tonight, could be, your life could be demanded from you. And you are no longer in the golden age. Tomorrow may not be the day of salvation for you any longer because you're no longer with us. And you find yourself on the other side of a chasm. And the kingdom of heaven is no longer near. It's far, far away. And you cannot enter into it any longer. Come to Christ now and enjoy living under God's rule with his blessings by the power of the Spirit. Repentance is a wonderful thing. Why? Because you're giving up the desert. You're giving up mirages. And getting a kingdom of delight. A kingdom of delight. And this is what is promised to us. We have God himself if he is our king and he looks after us. Look with me at that passage, Isaiah chapter 40. We read the beginning of that chapter. Isaiah chapter 40. It was found on page 714. This is a, a 
a famous passage in Scripture. Many, many Christians love this chapter of the Bible. They read it again and again, and particularly the ends of it and the beginning on this yeah, I've preached through this actually, and uh, there's so many uh, one-liners, verses in this that are just golden. Uh, but look with me at what God promises those who belong to Him. Verse 10, verse 10 of Isaiah 40, page 714. Isaiah 40, verse 10. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and His arm rules for Him. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. That is what you get if you enter into the kingdom of heaven. You get a shepherd who leads you, who gives you reward, and who carries you close to his heart. And then look with me at verse 27. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And you can see this in those around you. You can see those who are living against God, who are not living in the kingdom, and they do grow tired and weary. They stumble and fall. But then you look at Christians and there's something about them. that strength is renewed. There's a, there's a joy, even as they suffer in this world. We're not given any sort of guarantee that we won't suffer. The Lord Jesus suffered. The apostles suffered. The prophets suffered. We suffer as Christians. But there's a joy because the Lord Jesus, he renews our strength. And we run and not grow weary. We walk and are not faint. We are ones who soar on wings like eagles. This is what it is to be part of the kingdom of God, is to know his joy and his strength as we know him and how he carries us close to his heart. So I encourage you to repent if you've never repented before. But if you have repented, what are you to do? Well, I encourage you to continue on the path to Christ. Ongoing repentance is vital as a Christian. We enter into the kingdom, but Christ's rule is to touch all of our lives as we walk through this world. We've entered into the gates, but we've got to keep going forward and not looking back to the desert, not getting distracted by mirages. It's so easy, even as Christ's citizens, even as his servants, to think that this thing will start to satisfy and we start to elevate it above God, above Christ, that this job is actually more important than Christ, that this person, this family is more important than Christ. This possession is more important than Christ. We can't get distracted by such mirages and find joy and satisfaction in them. We need to go deeper and deeper into the city, deeper and deeper into the city, subjecting our lives more and more to Christ's rule. We need to keep recognising our sins and turning from them, recognising the pain and sorrow that they bring and having an afterthought, thinking after the fact, turning from them by the Spirit's power, 
and looking more and more at the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And as we do so, what happens? Well, there's increasing joy. Your mind lies to you. Your flesh lies to you. Your, the world does and Satan does as well that if you follow Christ more and more and live his ways, you'll find more and more displeasure, that you'll be more and more unhappy. But as you subject more and more of your life to Christ, you find increasing joy. And then what happens? Well, one day we will reach the throne room itself in the heart of the kingdom. And there will be exceeding joy there as we gather around the throne, worshipping the king, the lamb who is slain on the throne of God itself. Let's come before God in prayer now. Let's speak with him. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the God who is near and generously invites all to come into your kingdom. Oh Lord, if there is anyone here this morning who has not entered your kingdom, oh Lord, grant them repentance now. May they see the danger of chasing the things of this world to give them security, to give them joy. And so, Lord, we pray that they would then look to Christ before it is too late, before they awaken on the other side of a chasm from the kingdom. And, Lord, we pray that you would help those of us who are repentant, who have turned to Christ and are citizens of the kingdom. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would help us to move deeper and deeper into the kingdom, repenting of our sins and delighting in the joys of the kingdom.